0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Good evening, Patriots. And today is Sunday, January 29th in the year 2023. East Coast, you're now moving into Monday. So we've got an interesting night tonight. I've been asked by a lot of people to replay or find a time to replay the episode from Thursday night last week, which was focused on the warrior spirit. And it's where I got into one of my stories from Afghanistan. and talked about the sword, and it talked about kind of the warrior ethos. So after we get some talking going here, I'm going to replay that tonight at the request of a number of people. I seldom do that, but I was, it seems to be a very popular episode. People thought it was in the top three, a lot of people. So I really appreciate that, and uh, it's felt it was a good time, especially with a lot of things that are going on right now, which we'll talk about here very shortly. Before we begin, uh, you know, the one thing about this time is we really have to identify companies that we need to support. And I will say for the most part, all the sponsors are people I feel very strongly about, but there are two that I want to mention tonight that we currently have, and there'll be more in the future. But And one has been obviously our stalwart is My Pillow. It's a company that has modeled this support and fight in such an amazing way with Mike Lindell. And, They've been a tremendous support for the channel. They've been a tremendous support for the Patriot Fight across the nation. Mike has put in millions of dollars to try to fight the election fraud and reset integrity to the election systems. He's also funded the great work to a large degree, funded a lot of the work by Dr. Frank, who has been individually steering so many of the county-by-county county assessments and validations that have been able to put ourselves back into a place where we can once again look at, Where the problems are, and start holding people accountable. So, you know that's one of the reasons that I continue to support my pillow is just what they've done there so much. So, we have our promo code Bards B A R D S. It's an amazing company. Uh, It's Mike is a great story in himself, as you probably know, literally cocaine crack addict that has gone on to be one of the kingpins in funding so much of this fight legally, especially they're still funding Carrie Lake right now in her fight. And so it's a good thing to know that we have companies like that and that that when we spend dollars with them, that we are in turn supporting actions that go back into our nation in such a positive way and back into the people. Mike's also got an amazing outreach program for addicts at no cost. And so he applies and lives his life as a believer in Christ in such an amazing way. He's a great model. So if you head on over to MyPillow.com or if you want to go to the Bards landing page, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, and that your promo code is Bards. The one thing about what Mike has done is he's used this war against him. And basically as they, as they try to cut out his distributors and try to silence him in the market, he just took his all that extra the um, the profits that the middlemen were making. And he's like, I'll just turn that right back into the Patriots so they can save money and get a better quality product than what's on the market for less. And that's ultimately what your promo code is doing is it's nipping off that middleman number and getting you the price and value of what the price should be if you didn't have the middleman. So take a look at all the great savings because there's a tremendous amount of them. There's great products. I use them and I believe in them. Uh, the pillows, the sheets, uh, the slippers, the, the comforter, the duvets, the mattresses, mattress toppers, they're just they're just great quality products. and even his coffee, which is a good coffee. If you want to have just a good quality coffee in home for a good value, you can get that too. That's my coffee. So again, head on over to mypillow.com forward slash bards. use your promo code bards. Great way to get great products and great things for your home. And as I like to say, since we seem to be heading into a thermonuclear war these days, as you prepare your bunker, make sure you're comfy too. So get yourself a good mattress. Get yourself some sheets and some pillows. Good way to stay comfortable as you eat your cans of tuna and canned beans as the nuclear winter flows over us. <laughs> anyway, mikefellow.com forward slash parts. And the other company I want to mention tonight, they're new to us, um, super company, because they are truly what I talk about when I talk about setting up right work. This is a, a family who has started building broad forks and not just building broad forks, but they've built them and then they've re-engineered them over the last few years to make them stronger and better. That's Treadlight and you'll find their link below every podcast. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. I've been using their product for two or almost three years now, Treadlight forks. And for garden beds and like no till, that's what we're talking about. It's the ability to dig down and not have to till the soil but break up the lower areas, or if you're doing double dug beds. I even have some raised beds that I use it on, which is great. And it just it keeps you from having to totally screw up your topsoil and your humus layer and keep that natural biome building beautifully. So I just I'm a big believer in the in the broad fork anyway for all sorts of gardening. I've believed in it for a long time. I mean, and this goes back to John Jevon's work in, in uh, grow more vegetables and the Bountiful Garden Project that started back in the '70s. They designed their own broadfork at that point in time. These folks have built a fantastic broadfork. And so, if you use you head on over there, there's you can use the link right below the podcast. You can head over to Treadlight Broadforks. Your promo code is Bards. Like every like all our promo codes should be Bards. And just take advantage of it there. If you're, into, if you're looking for a great garden tool, I don't, I, this is like one of these tools that once I've used it, I've, I couldn't, I started using, I couldn't imagine working without it. And to kind of just speak to that one last time, I mean, it's, when I started my beds a couple of years ago, the, the ground was as hard as concrete, and I'm not exaggerating. I almost, I had a super strong flat nose shovel, one of the best made, almost bent it doing the work. With this broad fork, I've been able. I was able to get in there and break that up, and get. And I did when well, I guess, did like ten beds, and break that up, and then I was able to sift out the hard, hard clay, work in, um, and using the broad fork the whole time. Then work in the the new the manure and the, the topsoil and the all these composted elements that I was putting in the soils. And then I maintain these beds with that broad fork. So really recommend it. Great folks. It's a, it's a family run business and, uh, they've been getting more and more popular. So just a great quality product overall and a true sense of what we're talking about with like Patriots and sustainable living and breakaway economy. So check them out. Broad forks, tread broad forks. And again, link is right below the podcast. We're in an interesting week right now. Um, Over the weekend, there was some strange numbers that popped up out of the Fed that literally had the dollar zero out in value to gold, silver, and oil. We knew this was coming by virtue of the relationships that Saudi Arabia and us have, which Saudi Arabia, which has been the backbone to the U.S. dollar and also is part owner of Congress, just in case you're curious. But the the Saudis um, have agreed agreed, on part by other countries to start accepting other currencies rather than the dollar. The dollar's time has come. We've known that. It's a fiat currency. It was taken off of a gold standard under Nixon and it was then put towards the pivot on the cost of oil. And in the, in the course of that, we have waged three decisive wars in the Middle East centered ultimately around the dollar. And it has cost us thousands of lives and thousands of injured soldiers all to protect the fiat currency and ensure that the dollar would remain a solid reserve currency for the world and that everybody would have to trade in dollars. That's the whole reason. Our costs of things have been artificially deflated because we've been able to pass our debt onto other countries, and if they don't like it, we simply give them an ultimatum that if you don't like it, we'll just simply remove you off the face of the earth, which is, <laughs> what can we say, that's a nice level of blackmail. And I think what we're learning more and more is it was more than that because we're also starting to see that these bioweapons labs were part of that blackmail project. So the dollar is, is collapsing. The question is, where does it go? And we honestly don't have a really good picture on any of that. We just know that there is, there's a lot of things happening right now. And it's going to take a real resolve and a real commitment by patriots not to get derailed and to get caught into this next level of trap, which is probably going to be some form of a digital currency that'll be backed by Ripple and XRP, And that's an exchange system that has been written into the central bank's new system. And and Ripple and XRP are definitely, Ripple owns XRP or developed XRP. And you'll hear all sorts of chatter about that coming up. People all think these are good things. The fundamental issue is, that I have been saying for some time, is that this is a war between elites. We don't have a seat at the table. And because of that, they've determined what future we're going to have. And they have determined, both sides, that we're going to be in a digital currency. Now, you're, going to, you're getting some conflicting issues on what that digital currency looks like. Some are saying you're going to have a digital currency backed by gold. Others are saying we're going to have a CBDC, which is a programmable digital currency. I'm skeptical of all of and The CBDC is a non-starter for me at, at any cost. The other option is equally Questionable at the at least because what we're already hearing is you are going to integrate your bank systems and this could happen sooner than later so just be alert for that too because if you have a lot of money in your bank account I would highly recommend let me rephrase this because I'm not a financial advisor I am not a doctor I don't wear a white coat on TV I don't pretend to be any of them but if if, if I was in the situation of having a lot of cash in the bank I would be looking at putting it into gold and silver and probably. Uh, keeping plenty of cash on hand for a while until this thing blew over and we could get a better handle on what it is. And since I have done that, I would recommend that, I would tell you that I have done that. Let me put it that way. I won't recommend anything. I would tell you I've done that. And you can decide what you want to do. You do your research. Decide what you want to do. But it is a pretty critical time. And there's a lot of changes coming at us. And no matter how perfect they say this rollout transition is going to be, if it's going to be that you can anticipate that it's going to have some real bumpy roads. And I don't think we're at all done with the CBC, with the digital uh, nightmare that the World Economic Forum wants to put on us. We seem to be walking in their plan as it's f- collapsing around them as if we're supposed to experience this hell for us to wake up. Uh, I mean, there's kind of that sense to this whole thing, like we're kind of walking into a scripted outcome, but somehow we're going to have to suffer it in order for us to wake up. And that's part of kind of the reality uh, that we're currently in. There's a lot of that going on, and there's a lot of of gameplay. What's pretty evident is that whatever is going on, there is somewhat of a scripted sense to this. I, I would argue it this way. I've said for a long time that it's hard to imagine that they didn't know that Biden was going to win by stealing in the election. And I think there's a lot of evidence to that point. That's in 2020. It's equally worth noting that outside of the woke insanity, which itself has had an advantage for us as a public because we've been able to see the level of depravity and freaks and pedophiles that are in the government that have come out literally like rats being flooded out of their basement. Biden is the perfect whipping boy to go through the transition which we're in. He's a he's a dementia-driven fool whose family's dynasty is over. They were all tied to Ukraine, all of them, and including the servers that were part of the election fraud in 2020 and all the financial stuff. And so you're seeing... A, essentially, in my opinion, you're seeing a, an orchestrated event that was allowing an old fool to execute what needed to be done anyway. Because through the transition of a, there, we are going through a great reset. Like it or not, you can call it whatever you want. We're being driven in one way in an economy right now. and All you have to do is look around. And that one way that we're being driven is directly into robotics, AI, Internet of Things, nanotechnology, biomedical with with um, CRISPR technology. Everybody's nobody's saying stop those things. Not one politician out here is talking about putting a brakes on any of that. Not one industry member is talking about putting brakes on any of that. And we're also being driven into some electric car nightmare, which whether we like it or not, that's what they have planned for us. This is the part overall where I lose respect for every single politician in the world. I don't care who they are. Because nobody has the stones to say, stop, we need to get the people involved in this decision because they have no intention of it. Because their wealth is dependent upon them executing this their way. So all that said, it's going to take a real muster for people, patriots, to stand and to hold that line, which is the line, in my opinion, not to step over into this digital, controlled, draconian surveillance state, but rather hold the line of going back to go forward. And that's going to take the spirit of the warrior. So with that said, I want to replay for you Friday Thursday night show, which I think has a lot of contextual meaning for all of that, of where we are and the kind of focus that we need to have in the weeks, months, and years ahead. I want to play you a piece right here on a crazy perspective of what's coming out of the WEF, the World Economic Forum. This is a group that is already engineering the future and one of the things we have to be very clear on is the things that they're talking about are already in place all they're doing is softening the acceptance and prepping people for what is already here and with that we have to start making some very definitive decisions on who we will serve it's very important so take a listen to this piece right here now and by the way there is one I think he drops one f-bomb in here so just be aware of that um, not in, it's, you can hardly hear it, but nonetheless, it's there. So, there you go.
1: So pretty much the most corrupt elites of the world got together at the World Economic Forum in Davos just last week. Now, if you haven't seen this video above me, watch this and get a live reaction because this is pretty scary. First off a video, uh, it's gonna make you see the future and understand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves to fight crime, be more productive, and find love. Let's roll. You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Your memo is finished, your inbox is under control, and you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song, sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance but you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. What the fuck is this? You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter, which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home, jamming to the music, with your work-issued brain-sensing earbuds still in. When you arrive at work the next day, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators, you discover they are looking for synchronized brain activity between your coworker and the people he has been working with. While you know you're innocent of any crime, you've been secretly working with him on a new startup venture. Shaking, you remove your earbuds. What do you think? Is it a future you're ready for? So, yeah, that is the future that we are heading into. You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has already arrived. This is why blockchain and cryptography is so important as we try to gain back the control of our own data as even our brain frequencies are being taken advantage of. But let me know in the comments, are you guys prepared for this?
0: And the answer would be, nope, not prepared for it, not gonna participate in it. So there's a few things to kind of highlight here as we start looking at this and, and we're gonna move through this point tonight. Convenience is the death of humanity and I'm what I'm going to talk about right away is earbuds and I'm guilty of it. I have a hardwired set of ear, ear um, buds, and then I also have like Bluetooth earbuds. Bluetooth earbuds are the worst because they're actually able to, to use that to pick up frequencies and put in frequencies, but they're going to be getting more involved. Because as we move forward, what you're going to find is the interfaces with AI that are going to be working off of the impulses of what you feel and what you think. Now, here's what's crazy. You're hearing about this now, and this is year 2023. I could probably resurrect my notes, and I could show you a plan that I worked on with a guy who was an audio engineer, and we did this in 2012, and what was the plan? We were looking at that time of creating a set of earbuds that would monitor frequencies and, re- and emotional responses They would then be plugged into a playlist and would automatically read out what songs, it would readjust your playlist to how your mood was. That was in 2012. Most people aren't aware of how advanced these technologies are, and when I hear this, I know when she says this is a future that's already here, she's absolutely right. See, my motive was different. It was it was truly it was truly a heartfelt, wonderful motive, which was what we were looking at. Is wouldn't it be awesome if you could maximize your energy for the the things that you were doing? So we were looking first at say for a a runner. I was doing a lot of running. I was doing like 10Ks regularly. We were looking at high-performance athletes. It's like, wouldn't it be awesome if you could find a way to synchronize without having to play with your playlist as you're running to be able to use music, which is frequency, to elevate your performance and to maximize your performance using frequencies that would match and enhance your body's performance. These all sound like good ideas. And then we looked at things like, well, what it happens if a person was sick or a person was down. Could you find a way to match those frequencies to elevate them to enhance their body's ability to heal? Those are things that are relevant today. All of those are good applications to the type of technology you just heard about. But it always comes down to the people that run the technologies. And unfortunately our problem is not technology right now. We're looking at it because it's the symptom of the disease. And it's the thing that they know that they can pitch to humanity. And sadly, at the state that much of humanity is in, it will sell well because people are trying to fill themselves spiritually because we are dealing with a spiritual and moral bankruptcy across this world that is absolutely phenomenal. We are in a very interesting period right now. And I'm convinced that a lot of this period is a period where God is literally holding us here. And it's we're witnessing, and this is my opinion, but there's other people saying the same thing. If you check around, you're going to hear other voices saying just this type of thing right now. So I say that because I'm not going to proclaim this, that God put this on my heart, but I am going to say that there is a lot of focus on this and a lot of reflection time in my prayer that this keeps coming up, that we're being held in this space right now held here to reflect and to seek him out, to turn to him. This reminds me of Psalm 46.10. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In this moment in time, so much of the speed in which things are happening are forcing us to make choices and make reflections. We're seeing the dark to light. And that, whether it makes, whether we like what we see is irrelevant, it is a gift to be able to see it. It's God's way of showing us. This is where you're headed. It's pretty much like driving towards a cliff and you keep seeing the sign that says end of the road and you say, I'm going to ignore it, end of the road, you keep ignoring it. And as we get closer to the edge of the cliff, we keep ignoring it until it's too late and you can't hit the brakes and you go off the cliff. God's doing that right now in big ways. And he's and Father is literally moving in on this space and giving us these warning signs and we're able to see them if we have if we're willing to see it. And at the same time we're being forced to make these decisions on where our focus should be. So much of what we are living through right now is the time to find our breath. To breathe and to find our settling breath with him. Now, there's a lot of different things that's called. In the martial arts and in in the study of martial arts, which has its roots typically in the Orient and with the styles that I've worked with, either Korean or Japanese, in particular, the Japanese format of this, it's a Zen focus of empty mind, which is to find a balance and a clarity in purely existing in the moment. It's at the center point of a lot of what the sword the study of the sword is is like. We're in a point right now where we're literally polishing our sword. We've been through a reforging. So imagine a blade that a master has made that's been used in, in conflict or combat. The blade has been heavily dinged, and maybe it's even been fractured. And now it's been taken back to the master to be remade. This blade was made originally through an unbelievable process of forging and bolting the steel, which means to fold the steel on itself. And it's been done over months, where a chunk of ore has been refined and built very much as we were in, in the metaphor of, us, of God creating us out of the earth. And that steel is forged and folded, and it's eventually made into a sword and it's coarse when you get the sword and then comes the polishing phase, which is literally a process where all the deep refinements are now made in the sword. It's, it's polished into where it's almost like a mirror. All of the, the engravings are put in and you end up with this masterpiece. That's as we should be. But in the course of our lives, In particular, this life that we've had in this world, we've been put through a combat of sorts. And we've been, some have been heavily dinged, others have been fractured. And so right now is this time in this last few years where we have been reforged. We had to go back to the master. We had to be. We had to go through, and, and they had we had to look at all of the faults that were in the sword. Some swords are cracked into deep because they hit so hard. It wasn't the fault of the making; it was the way they were used. Maybe they were not even used properly by their students. There's one thing about a Japanese sword that's amazing: is that it will cut incredibly deep, fast. It'll Japanese swords will cut an entire torso in half, bone and everything if you know how to strike right. If you don't know how to strike right, you can damage a sword in a single cut. They are a master's tool made by the craft of the master to be used by the hand of a master. And the one thing about the sword, and, is, and I, there's so much metaphor even in Scripture around the sword, is the principle of the sword is it's never there's never a safety on the sword. When we draw a pistol... You can take the magazine out, you can empty the rounds out of it, you can put it on safe, you can practice drawing. You can essentially have an inert weapon and you can do all your practice with it. If you have a real sword, the blade is always sharp. There's no taking that blade away. When you draw the blade from the scabbard, if you make a mistake, and drawing the blade in a Japanese style is very specific. You can cut your finger off in a heartbeat because your sword is razor sharp. When you re when you put the sword back into the scabbard, its sheath, you're guiding it with part of your hand as it comes back. If you miss, you slice through your hand. There's a real connection here in perfection of return, pull, and return. And once the sword is out, the blade is live. If you play around with it and you swing it wrong and somebody walks in through your cut lane, you're going to cut them. You might kill them. There's a very real consequence. So people naturally practice with wooden swords or they practice with with practice swords. I have one. It's same weight, same feel. It's made of aluminum, combinations of metals which include aluminum, which are not the real sword. But if you're going to really practice, then you have to have your true katana. And that is where all your focus is. And the difference is a massive massive step. If If you use firearms and you shoot, you know what I'm talking about. When you go into the range and suddenly you load, you take the safety off, and now everything you're doing is with safety off. The only safety you have is your finger. Things get different. The world is different. Your focus is different. We've been walking through a world for a long time now where our safety has been on. Or we've... able to think that our safety is on. We've been able to bounce around and with practice swords and dummy rounds in our chamber. But something happened all of a sudden. The world got shaken pretty heavily. And we can take that back. Maybe it was with Obama for some, maybe it was as far back as the Bushes. Maybe for some, it goes back to the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan or even some for the assassination of John F. Kennedy. But the world got shaken, and in the progressive years as we've come closer to this moment, it's become a place where we become increasingly aware that we're living in a live fire zone. We're in a battle zone. We're not in the middle of a play zone. We're not in training, we're not at the National Training center playing shoot 'em up with lasers and beepers that go off when they when you get laser hit. We're not in an airsoft competition where we can shoot people in the head with little rubber spongy bullets and they don't get hurt. Or a paintball competition where you can wear a, a down vest and if the round hits you, it actually doesn't detonate. It doesn't spray, it doesn't break open. Little tricks. Instead, we're in a live fire. In 2006, June, I took a trip up to Carne with, to, to link up with a team of embedded trainers. It ended up being two guys that were my best friends, one of which I've referred to before, Eric Blake, who committed suicide in 2012, which is a very, very hard loss. But we were together, the three of us, on a very small firebase. I think Tony who was the captain, I think he had seen some combat before. Eric might have seen a little bit, but nobody really saw real combat. We were all green. So when those first rounds go firing at you and they go zinging over your head and you realize that everything you've been doing and exercises you've been going through, it's now game on. Life takes a very different turn. We were sitting in the... This small It was a small fire base. It's actually what you call a COP, a combat outpost. We could probably park a total of 10 Humvees side by side across the entire thing. There were 30 or so Afghan soldiers. We had settled in pretty well. The first experience in this was we had had a group of Afghans who had gone out. They claimed they had gone out to trade bread with the local nomads, which are called Kuchis. One of them had come running back in the middle of the night and screaming. And we had a horrible interpreter, but we put it together that what they had done is he had gone out and they had driven their truck into a wadi. Truck was a, marked as a Ford Ranger. It was really a Toyota Land or a Toyota Tacoma, rebranded for Ford so they could sell them over there in Afghanistan. But it was a four-door vehicle, and they these wadis are dried riverbeds, and their banks are about eight to ten feet vertical. So in the middle of the night, they had gone over, and what was really going on is they were trading bread for hash. And they had seen the Coochie Camp across the way, and so they just drove right to the Coochie Camp and at a high speed drove their vehicle off a ten-foot drop and drove it into the bottom of the wadi, and they went through the front of the windshield, two of them. One of them was able to get out and run back. So Eric and I jumped in the, in the Humvee, and we drove out there. It was just Eric, myself, and Tony. Tony held the firebase down with the other Afghans. And we were in bad guy country, surrounded by bad guys. And we had about... With us came a small contingent of Afghans, which were about—I don't know—ten of them with us. And as we were sitting, we pulled. They had pulled the guys out of the vehicle. We helped them. One was unconscious. We were working under a headlamp with red light and had to start giving them IVs. We had no medevac available at this point in time. And then, as we were starting to prepare to do medevac or get call for medevac, a firefight broke out on the fire base. We were about two or three clicks, which would be kilometers, from the fire base. And we're watching the RPGs rain in on the fire base where Tony is. And the gunfire light up off the mountainside. My point of this is that it's a moment when you, your world changes. Because you realize you're not in Oz and, or you're not in Kansas anymore. Everything is real and the rules change. You have to decide whether you're going to step into this new world or whether you're going to stay behind. Some of the Can- some of the Afghans that were there wanted to stay behind. They were they were freaking out. And there had to be a fairly firm hand established that their duty was to provide security while we worked on these two. They were wanting to run. There was a moment that happens when the radio that we had, which was communicating with Tony, Eric was talking to Tony, it lost its fill. What that translates to is the digital, it was a scrambled radio frequency. The radios were using encrypted communications and the, the fill is the encrypted decoding program essentially that matches the two radios, that allows them to compu- communicate with one another. If you lose the fill, you might as well be talking into the moon because they will not talk to one another. So in the middle of the firefight, we had to make a difficult decision. We weren't, didn't have these two stabilized yet. And Eric was the only one that could put the fill back in because he was the comms guy. So I had to stay behind out in the middle of <laughs> bad guy country and work on these guys, getting them IVs and stabilizing them with a small contingent of Afghans while Eric jumped in the vehicle and drove back in the middle of the firefight to support Tony, reconnect the fail, and then come back and get me. Those are difficult decisions. They're decisions that you, it doesn't happen with one person. It was was a very clear assessment because we had both stepped into this new world. This world was real. This was a world where no more were there games. We weren't walking with dummy rounds. The pistol I carried was now loaded, armed, and was put at the head of one of the Afghans as he tried to leave, and I gave him a choice. He could run or I would shoot him. If he ran, I would shoot him. Because that was dereliction of duty. And there was no question about that. His duty was to protect me while I worked on the guys of his that had driven themselves into the wadi, and he, he, he needed to make a choice. This is the realness of life when, when you suddenly realize you're in a war. And the, what has happened in our nation is that we've walked into a war and still people aren't quite assessing that yet. They don't have the comprehension yet of the magnitude of what we're dealing with. What you just heard there a minute minute ago is that the enemy is moving forward. There is a global plan, with senior leaders and corporate leaders and government officials, almost every one of them, that knew what this vaccine was about. This was not a vaccine. This was a bioweapon that was developed likely as early as 2013. That patents were taken out on it in 2015. That the side effects that we are looking at, because we were looking at this thing from optics of trying to reverse engineer it because they weren't releasing what was in it, weren't side effects, but they were actually designed elements of how this vaccine would kill people. How do we know that? Because we've now learned that the De- Department of Defense language is using countermeasures against the enemy. Who's the enemy? We are. Let me read you something. This comes from Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Doc Peters, who, Doc Pete, who came, was on two nights ago. He posted this just a little bit ago on Telegram. And it shows a meme of a soldier sitting behind a gun. He's an operator. And it says this, one coward may lose a battle. One battle may lose a war. And one war may lose a country. And he writes this. He says, cowards beware. Military leaders, be advised. The United States is at war. Fifth generation warfare, though, though it may be. These countermeasures, jabs, is the term used by the Department of Defense, and he refers them to C-substack by Catherine Watt. I would encourage you all to read the, substack by, the substacks, plural, by Catherine Watt, are the weapon system. So the countermeasures or the jabs are the weapon system. You are required to lead and provide for the well-being of our troops, your troops. You are responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen. Military law of the United States military codes of justice define cowardice in combat as a crime punishable by death. Refer back to what I just said a minute ago by an Afghan that was going to run in the middle of a firefight. Generally, cowardice was punishable by execution during World War I, and those who were caught were often court-martialed and, in many cases, executed by firing squad. Don't be a coward. Signed, Doc. This country needs heroes, people of strength. It doesn't need cowards. And for what has happened now in the last few years is that we have become aware that we are at war. It's a very convenient and comfortable place to sit in a prayer state. In fact, if, if you go to a deep prayer, most people will know this, you don't wanna leave. It's a very comforting place. You find that amazing balance in that deep place where there's the comfort of Father, there's the clarity of things, and you're just breathing with him. It's amazing. It's the most comforting place ever. But we're here in the flesh as Christ was here in the flesh. And so while we can step into that beautiful space of spirit, our feet are still touching the ground in this world. That's the reality part of this. That's where we have to assess our terrain. And the assessment of the terrain is actually quite clear. That though we were, have been engaged in a warfare that has been very intense, in particular since President Donald J. Trump took the stage in 2015, this war went to an entirely new level in January of 2020. When not only did they weaponize information at another level that was completely planned and engineered, but they started to use bioweapons in different forms to literally maim and kill. This is the world you're in. And the question is, what type of reality will you live in? Will you choose the reality of old, where you could comfortably go to church on Sunday, maybe church on Wednesday? kind of do the things around the house, maybe do a garden, a few things, pray a lot, but stay effectively disengaged. Or you can accept the reality that we're now in a, in a firefight, that the rounds are hot, that people are dying. The two worlds are very different. The world of old is the world of the, of the wooden sword. The world of old is the world of the practice sword. You draw it, there's no consequence. You take a swing with a hard swing with a, with a practice sword that's made of this combination of, of metals, which include aluminum, you'll literally break the sword because it's not designed for that. It's designed to give you balance and the same flow and feel of a regular sword without the risk of cutting someone or yourself. Or are you in the new battlefield, the real war? Have you entered into the battle space? where that is now sitting somewhere back at your, at your practice station, but you've now deployed forward. You put on your real kit, and now you know when you draw that sword, it's not a game, but it's a sword drawn to strike and kill, kills used loosely. Because we're deciding, we're going after an enemy now, and there's two swords that we wield. We always lead with the sword of the spirit, and we always carry the sword of steel. That metaphor and that perspective I always place in the garden with Christ, where Peter had the sword of steel and Jesus used the sword of the Spirit. The two are relevant because Christ doesn't denounce or rebuke Peter for having the sword of steel, but demonstrates the power of both. We see in that instance where Peter literally draws the sword, and I will always hold to this definition. He understood how to use a sword, and he stayed the attack against Jesus by cutting off the attacker's ear. That stayed the attack and he saved his life. That's a masterful sword move, by the way. Whether you realize that or not, a clumsy sword move would have been to kill he who was coming after Jesus. And it would have been way out of line of his teachings. But the ear, yeah, it bleeds a bit. Even if Jesus wasn't there, you'd get over it. You'd bleed a lot. You might want to, Put your ear on a necklace and hang on to it and pretend you used to have it. But in the end of the day, you're still going to be able to hear, maybe not as well, and you're going to look a little ugly, but your life is spared. And that's where we see the mastery of the moment from Peter step in. He does exactly as he needs to do, using an appropriate level of force to stay the attack to his king. Jesus intervenes by healing the ear and demonstrates the greater power of he and the greater power of the sword of the spirit, but both in that moment are relevant. The war we're in is an act of hot war, and we have to be able to use the tools in our hands that God gives us. There are the tools that will fall in the category of the swords of steel, and there are tools that will fall in the hands of the sword of the spirit. But ultimately, it's coming down to the discipline of the warrior. Miyamoto Mushashi was one of the great swordsmen of Japanese history. He wrote the book Five Rings. Miyamoto Mushashi lived in the period of 1584 to 1645 and he was was both a philosopher a swordsman a strategist a writer and a ronin and a ronin means he had no master he was roaming without a master in those days every samurai was had a master but he didn't have one and so he was up for hire or on his own he had survived an undefeated record of 61 duels. And the thing about the duels is they <laughs> duels with a sword don't end up with two winners. And you don't get a participation trophy, I just need to tell you. There's a winner and there's a loser. And the loser is dead. Mushashi survived 61 of those duels. But the key part of that is the words in understanding what it was to be a warrior. So it's it's what we often miss because we're in a very kinetic type thinking in our world. When we talk about warfare and we talk about warriors and we talk about fighting, it's been drilled into us through propaganda and movies and film that that type of fighting is always going to result in some sort of bloodshed or it's going to end up in some sort of weaponization or hard weapon use. But I go back to what I read earlier from Pete Chambers. And what he reminded them of is that we are in fifth generation warfare. Fifth generation warfare is a warfare designed primarily around information. It uses all aspects of information to break and defeat its enemy by getting inside your head. By controlling the way you think and operate. And it is truly asymmetric in form. It comes at you from every side. And it's very, there's very little use of actual kinetics. Most of the, the fight of the information space in fifth, in fifth generation warfare is stealth. It's out of, line, out of plain view. There's, your enemy isn't in uniform. It looks like you and I. In fact, it might even go further to make sure it blends as you and I. The battlefields are digital. The battlefields are informational. The battlefields come in forms of, in the informational space, from audio to visual to written word. There's also other elements to that of frequencies, things to affect the way you think. There's the incessant. So sociological aspects and the physiological aspects of an incessant warfare that tries to wear you down, break you down. And then there's the dimensions of stealth in warfare where the worst kind of warfare comes in the form of using trusted agencies to kill you. Hospitals, political platforms that promise you things that ult- ultimately are leading you to the demise. Governments that are guiding you to a certain place to do something which they know will end in your death. Your own military being used as a weaponized system against you, not the soldiers by their choice, but the institution of leadership that weaponized this system, delivered it, and then used the, the culture of fear and panic to crush the society, deploy the weapon system, and where they needed it deployed was in their arms so that they would be maimed, and killed. And in this process, disarm a society that was the most heavily armed society in the world, disarm them spiritually, disarm them physically, disarm them with their weapons and to leave them so crippled that they would be easy to take over, to hand over to the new rulers, the rulers that would use other people from around the globe to fill the place of policemen. They weren't nationals. They didn't have any care for the constitution. They came from other countries. They spoke different languages. And the one thing they were told to do, to suppress and put down anybody that defied them. And most of them hated America anyway, because the same beast that was killing us had already abused them. And now they were given a right to come back here and become our slave masters. That won't end well for anybody that submits to them. This is the new battlefield. The old way of being comfortable in the place of being able to set aside the responsibility and the idea that you may have to put your life on the line for the country, that reality doesn't exist now. Not if you're in this war. And this is a very difficult place for many people of faith because in the idea of faith is faith should be also very pure and very loving. Yes, it should be. One foot in the trenches and one foot in kingdom. The words that God gave me several weeks ago. Gideon was watered down to 300. Joshua led his army in to destroy Jericho. Both occurred in, Both used prayer. Both used the power of frequency. Both used their their absolute dedication to Father God. None of them led into fight without God leading them. So there's this incredible space where we have to find the balance, which again goes back to the study of the sword. Because as Mushashi wrote, it is said that a warrior's way is the twofold way of pen and sword, and he should have a taste for both ways. Mushashi was speaking to literally a fifth generation warfare. About seven centuries before it ever came to being. This is where we are today. That the mightiness of the word, which we will refer to as the power of the pen, still wields an incredible force in this fight. To be able to hold that line of truth and understand that what you're wielding is a sword of truth, that words have the power of life and death. This is very real in our battle space. This isn't said lightly. The words of scripture aren't said lightly. And there's no time for consternation or hand-wringing. You have to decide, are you in this fight or are you not? We don't have room for cowards. This country right now is at a tipping point. We can dream up all sorts of fantasies all we want about white hats in control or the great sweep up of of human trafficking networks monkey works just covered that yes i'm sure there's great things going on but in the end of the day what you just heard at the world economic forum their direction is about a future that they have already put in place you can take all these dirt bags out of play but if the people still pursue those technologies and those become part of a standardized way of operating they're not against the law you can get rid of the dirt bags You can get rid of the pedophiles and you will still have exactly what that world they painted for you. You will still have it. And this is how it will be. People would be coalesced into believing that we need a different type of world because we've been proven as humans. We haven't been able to manage this world on our own. The problem with that is it's a lie. We have never been managing this world. We've been puppeteered in this world and those that are now telling us that we need a new layer of security, future crimes. Pompeo even advocated for future crimes. Future crimes. This kind of dystopian hell that they want to put everybody in, that becomes our choice. All they're doing now is using new methods of information warfare to lead you down a path which they've been leading us down the entire time. But they're going to give you some sweetener along the way they're going to talk to you about the need to the necessity to pursue the criminals the Biden crime family they're going to pull out the Hunter Biden laptop and they're going to make a big deal out of it they're going to praise all the greatness of stopping human sex trafficking but those in power are just going to take it down to a deeper level you're just not going to see it And you won't know it anyway because all they need to do is give enough of a pause to give you enough of a space to believe you're winning. Not on your own, but on their accord that they're winning this for you. And then they come in for the kill. This is a classic maneuver in swordsmanship. You must look weak when in fact you're strong. You must draw your enemy in close so that you can strike him quick and deadly. And this is all they're doing right now is they're setting the trap. They've gone weak in appearance. They're drawing people in. People's eyes are now being drawn into the investigations into D.C. While quietly around the edges, they continue to build their 5G towers. Quietly around the edges, they continue to modify their technologies. People's eyes are on Twitter because there's suddenly new amounts of information that's being allowed to come out most of it, not all of it, but enough to get people engaged to believe that freedom of speech is truly back, while they continue to build Skynet, and it's going on overhead. No one's saying stop the injection. They're saying we must investigate the injection, but no one's saying stop the injection, while people continue to die, for unknown reasons, of course, because the damage wave is coming through now. And while we're so many are running around trying to figure out, well, why are people dying? And what is this? And are you going to actually pursue justice and get Hunter Biden's laptop? All of those, at the end of the day, are not by our hand. We're asking them to deliver justice. Them who brought us this evil. Them who've been killing us with this injection. Them who have enslaved us from the start. Them who executed this plan to lead us into the trap of ultimate slaughter and enslavement. And we keep looking to them to ask them to fix this for us. That's cowardice. The only way forward is for us to take the stand and demand justice. There is no single path to that. There is a mindset to that. And it begins locally and it is locally often defined. But it's a mindset that every single thing we do, we are pursuing justice, not turning justice over to them. If a sheriff is going to be involved in things in a county, the people are in his face, in his office, holding him accountable to the justice that we demand, not to the justice that he thinks that we demand, or worse, that they are directing him to do. We become the point on all operations. We become the influencers of the day. We become the warriors. We become the ones that flip the tables. We become the ones that step into the temples and challenge the Pharisees. Christ did not outsource his justice. Christ did not outsource his healing. Christ did not outsource his message. And Christ did not hesitate to step into the battle space and say, I will stand before you and tell you the truth. And even at the darkest moment, or so it appeared after Peter had cut the ear, Christ then steps in again to demonstrate the greater part of his mission as he healed the ear and now accepted that they would take him in as he pulled onto them what they had been trying to do to the others. They baited, they took the bait, they accepted him, where ultimately as they put him on the cross, Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they have done. And the ultimate win was achieved. They had no idea what was coming. Patriots, we're in that hour. We're in that hour of choice, that hour of how you want to walk, whom you shall serve. Choose well whom you shall serve. Choose well the attitude you have in your day. Choose well the perspective that you have on this life. Choose well what you value and what you put above yourself. Choose well whom you shall serve. The warrior knows. the warrior knows where he's serving. the warrior knows his path. The warrior knows that, as Mushashi said, it is said that the ways of the, the warrior's way is the twofold way of pen and sword. And he should have a taste for both ways. Let us pray. Father God, in this time, in this nation, in this world, our prayers tonight are to awaken the warrior heart. The balance between the pen and the sword. Said both in actual and both metaphorical ways. To awaken the gifts and talents of the many to realize how important everything we do, everything that people have, everything that they've been tasked to do in this moment as we are to set in and listen to you. We are being held in a time right now to reflect deeply on our station and place in this world as the warrior heart begins to awaken. It is up to us to work with you and through you as you work through us to occupy and expand this kingdom. So, Father, we pray. We pray, deeply pray. As is said in Psalm 4610, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth and let you be exalted in us, Father God. Hear our prayers. Hear our hearts. Whatever anxiety to trepidation, whatever fears, anxiety, or other things that exist within these hearts, the warrior that is there, let those be pushed aside to see the glory and the mightiness of working with you, through you, and in the body of Christ. A fearless walk committed solely to that path of Jesus. No distractions. Everything driven towards a single purpose and a single end. To restore, to occupy, and expand. And in the end, to serve the kingdom in every breath that we take and every step that we make. All actions focused on a singular goal. Serving you, Father God. May that resonate deeply with all those that are in prayer. May may that heart of the warrior awaken in a mighty way. May the path before them be clear. May you guide our hand and guide us with wisdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Very important time for all of us to take a gut check. When we were ambushed in Sangin and you have this moment of chaos, you don't know where the enemy is. An ambush, a good ambush, keeps you off base. You resort back to a couple of things. First, you have to get to a position where you can get your, your position secured. You have to get out of the lane of fire. Then you have to sit for a second, literally taking a knee and assess the terrain. You have to understand where their field of fire is and where your response is going to be. What's the vector of attack that you're going to use to respond? Life changes when the bullets get real. The problem with information warfare is that it all becomes a bit of a game. This isn't a game. Every word said is the power of life and death. And if we start to understand that truly for what it means, it means that we are the weapon of war. And it means that our enemy is using that as well to, as a weapon of war to get inside of you, to destroy you, to break that connection with Father God, to wear you down, to make you doubt, to make you fear, to make you hate that's where love comes in because the ultimate statement of a warrior and the ultimate place of a warrior, the highest level of warriorship is love. Ask yourself whom you're fighting for, whom you are serving and where your love is. Because when you sit with love, love is not squishy, gushy, melting like butter. Love is an intensity of passion. It's an appreciation for everything that is given, a connection to everything around you that you value. It is a willingness of self-sacrifice to the man on your right and the man on your left. It is a selfless walk into the enemy's camp, knowing that no matter what befalls you, you will, shall never bow, you shall never relent, and you will either be glorious in the victory or you will be glorious in heaven. But either way, you will be glorious because you will never give in to what they say. That attitude will change this world, and it will change quickly. The the permissive environment that we have now allowed, where they are free to roam, has not yet been checked by the warrior environment of those that say no more. Choose on this day whom you shall serve. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here, in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for Bended Knee, until then, or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.